0: I'm Afshin Ratansi and this is a special edition of Going Underground. John Pilger, one of the greatest journalists in history, is dead. Award-winning author of Hidden Agendas, Heroes, A Secret Country, of films, The War on Democracy, The Coming War on China, Palestine is still the issue, the war you don't see. He exposed Washington consensus imperial war crimes all around the world. In his last years, he campaigned tirelessly for Britain to release WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who he would never see free again after his torture in London. Condolences from the whole team here at Going Underground to his family. This is one of the last interviews he did for this show. In memoriam, John Pilcher. John, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. You said uh, Palestine is the issue in the last century and in this century. How does it link everything from war and peace, atrocities, imperialism, information to neoliberalism. Well, Palestine is the center of of a great imperial act. Uh,
1: I've made two films called Palestine is Still the Issue, 28 years apart. I may make another one. It'll be called Palestine is Still the Issue, because Palestine, un- unless we, understand the atrocity being imposed on Palestine and the right of people to defend themselves, the right of people to resist against an external outside force, a force that uh, uh, becomes more extreme by the moment, and I'm talking about Israel, then we'll never understand how the world works. There's been a whole attempt to make Hamas the central issue of the reporting. And that's nonsense, as if Hamas is a a peculiar demon. In fact, Hamas and its military wing are part of a resistance, a resistance that was provoked by the Israelis. The real demon in this is is Israel, but it's not simply Israel. I mean, this is as much uh, uh, a British and American war against Palestine as it is uh, an Israeli one. You know, just a few years ago, uh, the chief of the defence staff in Britain, Sir Nick Carter, visited uh, Israel. And uh, between himself and uh, uh, senior Israeli strategists, they draw up, drew up, basically, a secret plan. A partnership, a military partnership between Israel and Britain. In fact, it goes much deeper than that. It's, it's, a, it's an integration of the two military forces where you have uh, 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 Israelis being trained in in ordnance design in Britain, ordnance design as bombs, and British soldiers being trained in... Uh, in, in uh, with 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 units that have been as the, as the IDF describes it as Palestinian tested, so the 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 integration of Britain and especially the United States, which, which gives Israel 10 million dollars a day, uh, is is complete. So it is in one sense it's a a British European American war against the people of Palestine, who are doing one thing, and that is refusing, exercising their moral and legal right to resist a brutal occupation.
0: Britain says it's a friend of Israel. You know the two-sidesism that is mandated under uh, broadcasting uh, restrictions, as it were, here, because, uh, obviously, when you're talking about atrocities, uh, as we know, Israel says the responsibility lies with Hamas. It is using civilians as human shields among journalists, schools and homes, and they gave fair warning. And Dominic Raab, the Foreign Secretary here, says the UK condemns Hamas' attacks on civ- civilians and reaffirms Israel's right to self-defence. Well, right, fine,
1: I should you had to say that, but there are not two sides. And actually, the very notion of two sides is obscene. Uh, it's like people looking up at... Uh, at German bombs during the Blitz, and saying, "Ah, but there's two sides here." Uh, you know, the the, the 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 Palestinians have crude rockets, and when they're accused of indiscriminate shelling, yes, the 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 rockets are crude. But on the other hand, Israel is doing discriminate targeting. It's 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 deliberately attacking, as it's always done, civilian targets. And we had the spectacle the other day of a high-rise building in which the, 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 the media, almost all Palestinian, certainly non-Western media, uh, we, we, we had the spectacle of this building being blown up by the Israelis with the nonsensical story that it was harbouring Hamas. It wasn't. And all those journalists there are witnesses to that. It's like the BBC reporter, Jeremy Bowen, who talks about a war between Israel and Hamas. Bowen knows that's wrong. It's an attack on an occupied people by the occupier, Israel,
0: backed by great powers. Do you think these journalists, you mentioned Jeremy Bowen, the Middle East editor of the state-mandated BBC, who had to apologize previously being pro-Palestine in his reporting, do you think they understand that uh, firing stun grenades into the Al-Aqsa Mosque on the equivalent of Christmas Eve is like uh, doing that to the Vatican on Christmas Eve? I mean, it was Eid al-Fattah. It's a a bit like that, uh, bombing the Vatican or sending the soldiers into the Vatican?
1: Well, if they don't know, what are they doing out there? I mean, you don't actually have to be in the Holy Land to understand that the provocation, the attack on Palestinians and the the attack on on, on the holiest mosque in in uh, in, in Islam uh, was entirely unprovoked, and the the fact that and Hamas are warned. Uh, the Israelis, stop these attacks on our people in Jerusalem, stop them now, or we will resist. And so they resisted, uh, as every people has a right to do. The Western media, uh, you know, where are they in Gaza? Yes, there are a lot of Palestinian journalists risking their lives, and uh, uh, Muslim journalists and Arabic-speaking journalists. But where are all the high-paid Western journalists? It looks to me like
0: a boycott of Gaza. You think uh, there was a time when journalists were tried harder to get into Gaza? Obviously, the journalists are saying, they don't explicitly say, but it's Israel that actually prevents them and doesn't give them the passes. And I should say, Israel obviously says there were rocks at Al-Aqsa Mosque, and uh, Israel says they give warnings, although that's disputed by some of the children who've uh, seen their parents being killed.
1: Well, we know that. Israel is a lie machine and has been proven to be that but I, I think we do have to understand the responsibility in britain it had the responsibility of uh, not only the present government but the labour party is part of that i mean starmers labour party uh, which allowed pro-israel groups to uh, to direct the policies of the labour party that in effect support this this attack when you have the the shadow foreign secretary uh, saying that to criticise Israeli atrocities um, is anti-Semitic. Then we're in. We're in Lewis Carroll world,
0: really. The BBC had a piece after uh, some of the atrocities in the past week saying, but why is it all these protesters, uh, we saw some of the largest uh, uh, protests in the world here in London, but I know they've been all around the world, why is it they don't protest about the Syrian government or against the, according to uh, Western sources, genocide committed by China? I know we're going to talk about China in part two. Why are these protesters uh, about Palestine at all? Why don't they protest against anything?
1: Why don't they protest to the Australian government about uh, the genocide against the indigenous people? Uh, why don't they protest to the US government about the dozens of countries that is overthrown and about the, 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 the great numbers of people that is, that is, whose deaths it has caused and whose dispossession it has caused? It's a, it's a, it, it, it's a banal argument. Uh, uh, People are protesting about an atrocity that is going on before our eyes. And we're allowed to see that atrocity because of some of the bravest journalists, and I know some of these people, photographers, uh, cameramen, people whose building we saw blown up. In one of my films, The War You Don't See, there is a horrific sequence in which an Israeli s- sniper guns down a Palestinian cameraman who's lying wounded on the ground, and then they continue to shoot at his legs. He was then uh, uh, so seriously wounded uh, he probably wouldn't walk again. I mean, that's, that's the kind of bravery that these people, in, mostly Palestinians, I have to say, mostly Palestinians, the high-paid BBC people and others are just not there. Now, yes, it may be very difficult. The Israelis, who, uh, uh, who, whose domain they seem to cover very
0: well, won't let them in. Why don't they get in regardless? There are indeed tunnels that they keep telling us about. Uh, From Egypt, uh, Congresswoman uh, Tlaib in the United States, a Palestinian uh, extraction, arguably fell into a trap uh, trying to uh, uh, attack Hamas. But um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this rising star in the Democrat Party, said that apartheid states are not democracies. Tony Blinken, uh, someone who supported uh, the destruction, uh, certainly it ended up like that, of uh, Africa's richest per capita company country. Uh, Libya said, um, said he wasn't convinced about uh, the AP Al Jazeera building being uh, full of Hamas operatives. Is it changing in the United States if it's not changing in London? Is that a change? I don't
1: know if it's a change. You know, Biden and Obama uh, were... Uh, Uh, In 2014, during the last Israeli killing fest on Palestine, they were killing something like an average of 11 children a day. And yet Obama and Biden uh, uh, arranged the resupply of precision weapons to Israel. Biden is now the president. I don't see any difference. The only difference, the only resistance, is is the resistance. That's what's different in this attack. There is a real resistance. And that should be matched by people going beyond their governments, beyond their parliaments, and going into the streets. That's the only way. Whether whether or not that
0: succeeds, I don't know. But there is no other way. You've suggested a a link between those pictures of... Of uh, atrocities coming from Palestine and the British Army and the the British State, has uh, Israel? I know they've uh, been accused of killing journalists in the past. Borrowed from the NATO playbook uh, when it famously uh, blew up Belgrade TV in Yugoslavia, in this destruction of the uh, the big tower in Gaza housing media organisations. It's a lot more dangerous now than than when I was a war correspondent
1: in uh, particularly in Southeast Asia. Because now uh, your side, that is the side representing the people whose newspaper or broadcasting organization sent you, are aiming for you. You're a target. Uh, and, uh, but at the very least, these Palestinian cameramen and photographers and journalists, they are targets. But every all journalists now are targets go into some bride's church in London, into the corner that pays tribute to journalists who've died in, in uh, covering, covering wars. And there they are, the names, the names are, are listed in the last few years uh, that indicate the trend that uh, the US in particular Uh, doesn't give a damn whether you're a journalist or whether you have a, a lanyard hanging around your neck that says, journalist, you'll get shot. The Israelis, of course,
0: not only don't give a damn, they don't even consider it. You'll get shot, period. John, I'll stop you there. More from John Pilger after the break when we discuss double standards from China to the torture of Julian Assange. Welcome back to part two of our special interview with John Pilger. In part one, we talked about the atrocities taking place in Gaza, the country currently holding the presidency of the UN Security Council, is China, which failed to persuade Joe Biden to issue a resolution on the current slaughter of the People's Republic. Demonized by NATO is the subject of John Pilger's 2016 film, The Coming War on China.
1: This is the distinguished historian Theodore H. White, an advisor to the White House, speaking in the 1960s.
0: Perhaps China is too vast to be governed by mercy. Yet if Chinese mind craves order, they must be brought to recognise they are the biggest factor in the world's disorder. And we must untangle the madness of their mind. The most difficult task in the world is to reach the minds of men who hate you.
1: What White was really complaining about
0: was the loss of a China that the Imperial West could dominate. A clip from John Pilger's The Coming War on China there as Boris Johnson deploys Britain's HMS Elizabeth aircraft carrier to confront China. I'm still here with John Pilger, who joins me from Sydney in Australia. Well if Israel is uh, Britain's strategic military uh, partner, we're told in NATO nation media day after day that our enemies to our national security are Russia. And China. China holding the um, uh, rotating uh, presidency of the UN Security Council. You said the coming war on China. Uh, how have you noticed uh, the difference here as regards Palestine, with China apparently trying to force the issue with a statement from the UN Security Council to call for a ceasefire against the wishes of the United States? The whole, cha- the whole campaign
1: against China and the campaign against Palestine are one and the same thing Uh, it is about control it is about Imperial powers at a certain time in their history Threatened they feel threatened. They're not actually threatened. They're threatened in economic terms in the they may uh, their their economic prosperity uh, is receding but uh, So, in order to correct this, uh, they're playing with the prospect of war. It's a terribly dangerous game. When I made The Coming War Against China, and that was in 2016, I wrote that title almost as a provocation. If I was doing that film now, I would say it's a reality. In a few short years, China, from being in many senses, a strategic ally of the West. Certainly in the so-called war against terrorism, it was. Uh, And uh, in its uh, relationship of uh, uh, trade and currencies, this was a peaceful, a peaceful relationship. And it changed with the so-called pivot to Asia, And what we have now is, which is never important, and this is very important, because it's basically a psyops war, a propaganda war. There are 400 active bases surrounding China, uh, US bases. They start here in Australia, with probably one of the most important at Pine Gap, all the way up through the Philippines, Thailand, Korea, and Japan so that we have bases now which are primed for nuclear attack uh, in Okinawa uh, and in Korea, uh, pointed at China something like five or 600 miles away. That's the kind of provocation that we're living with day by day. Now, that's almost never news. That is the dangerous stage that we 're in, leaving us in a stage when there could be mistake or accident and it becomes a nuclear war um, the china doesn 't in military terms china doesn 't threaten anybody it's made it 's made it very clear that what it's interested in is business in trading uh, in, uh, in 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 development in in making its own people uh, prosperous in a way that they have never known. When you're in China, history is like a presence. The history of China right through the 19th century as a a colonial, impoverished uh, 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 servant of the West. Uh, they feel that. They call it the, the century of humiliation. That's over. And it's been... And it's been... It's, it's over in a very spectacular way because China has risen to the point where anything the West can do, it can do, and often do it better. Almost half of all the Chinese COVID vaccine is going to other countries. That's indicative of China's development policies. This is, this is the beginning of a world based on development. It's not, you know, that doesn't mean to say that a great power itself doesn't have uh, uh, present difficulties for all of us, but the difficulties are much diminished if that great power is not a military aggressor. There's only one military aggressor in the world, And that is the U.S. backed by the U.K., backed by its vassal state, Australia. Uh, And the reason for that is that the U.S. has realised it's losing its economic dominance. But what it does have, or it thinks it has, is military dominance.
0: It's a very dangerous time. Well, you know the news uh, here that we get. I mean, Human Rights Watch, Amnesty, calling uh, claims of uh, the human rights abuses in Xinjiang true. We hear news every day about the um, the oppression of uh, oligarchs. Actually, in, in uh, Hong Kong, Britain upgrading its nuclear weapons and has sent HMS Elizabeth. It's at uh, the Black Sea, protecting us from Russia, and it's headed for the South China Sea. What do you think goes through the minds of the soldiers on board HMS Elizabeth II and Boris Johnson here when he sends our aircraft carrier there during a pandemic? Well, they will have been told a story and they can hardly be blamed for what
1: is going through their minds, frankly, with an aircraft carrier that has cost billions and whose aircraft, are by courtesy of the United States, and those aircraft don't work very well anyway, Uh, it would be, in a very black sense, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious. Uh, There's no reason to confront China in the South China Sea. Uh, Most of the stories out of Xinjiang about the Uyghurs are out-and-out propaganda without evidence. Without evidence. In fact, in Xinjiang, there was a problem with the... Uh, I think it's the what was it called the East Turkestan Freedom Movement, uh, which the U.S. State Department described as one of the most extreme terrorist organizations. So China had a terrorism problem uh, in in that province. Uh, whether whether or not China has been able and a secessionist problem, uh, the same that the Soviet Union has had. And many other countries have had. Um, but there is no evidence whatsoever that there is the kind of uh, suffering that has uh, uh, worthy of the description genocide. That term "genocide, I should remind you, came from the lips of Mike Pompeo, who described himself as a liar. Um, and most of the so-called evidence has come from a a researcher now associated with the Jamestown Foundation in Washington called Adrian Zenz. Uh, If you look at Zenz's, uh, all his so-called documentation, uh, its uh, documentation used by Amnesty and many
0: others, it's fraudulent. He, he mm-hmm. denies that. Obviously, we do invite him on the program and people can see our interview with a Uyghur council uh, person uh, on the show on our YouTube channel. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned earlier about um, these uh, bases around China. I mean, obviously, track and trace over COVID is a problem here in Britain. We don't seem to be able to track and trace coronavirus infection, but uh, there there seems to be a, a large uh, number of bases that are tracking and tracing all our uh, every uh, Oh, right. uh, moves. Um, just tell me what Pine Gap is. Well, Pi- Pine Gap was set up by the CIA.
1: in ne- It's near Alice Springs. It was set up in uh, the uh, late 1960s. Uh, for many years, it was denied. Uh, uh, the uh, Australian government denied that it was an American base. They described it as a shared facility. It wasn't anything of the kind. It's a completely American-run facility with uh, Australian employers. But as the Australian intelligence and US intelligence is completely integrated, that's not a problem. It's, it's certainly one of the most important bases in the world. And Edward Snowden, uh, in his release, Document showed it to be uh, a base that spied right across Asia, right across China, right across Russia, uh, a major spy operation. Not a defensive operation, a spy operation. So at the moment, uh, it probably is the major spy base on, on, on China. And all the other imagined enemies, of uh, of the united states
0: and it was of course julian assange who helped snowden uh, uh, avoid the uh, clutches of, of the united states perhaps uh, torture just uh, very quickly what have you heard about uh, uh, what is happening in the assange case biden doubling down it seems on 175 years uh, for the world's most famous journalist there was some uh,
1: wishful thinking for a while that uh, the biden administration may not carry on Uh, Trump's pursuit of Julian Assange. It is. And it's now heading for the High Court in London, where it'll probably uh, uh, happen in uh, in the autumn, perhaps September, October, uh, in which the High Court will decide whether there is any credibility in the US appealing against this decision to let Julian go. My own sense is, and I feel slightly nervous at making this prediction, is that Julian will be set free. I certainly hope so because he embodies, he embodies the very resistance that we've been talking about in this program. It's the resistance of information, of transparency, of of a whole moral purpose of resisting the forces of uh, oppression, Uh, Julian himself and his case exemplifies that. That's why what happens to him
0: is so important to all of us. John Pilger there and this has been a special tribute to John Pilger who has died. Condolences again to his family and all his friends and comrades. See you soon.